Wow. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, I'm really, really excited to be with you all again to uh, another episode of Coach's Corner, uh, Conversations for Emerging Leaders. And I am your host, Joshua Miller, uh, author and executive coach. Um, today is, is, is a kind of a bittersweet uh, episode because it will be the last one of 2019. Um, <clears throat> but it's also going to be one of the I think one of the most impactful because we're going to be talking about something that is um, really, really important for anybody's success. Right. And so uh, we're going to really be talking about high performance in and outside of the workplace and what does that mean and how to leverage it. And I couldn't think of a better person to um, have on the show today than um my 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 CrossFit coach um, and uh, Eric Williams is his name and, and I'm going to have him come out in a moment. And um, Eric is um, somebody who I've known for uh, a couple of years and um, <clears throat> excuse me, he is um, one of, I think, one of the most genuine and most um, uh, uh, knowledgeable people in the space when it comes to um, uh, health and specifically around, um, uh, you know, exercise and wellness. And so um, I'm really honored that he could fit it into his extremely busy schedule uh, to come onto the show and um, dispel, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of myths. Um, you know, we're going to actually talk about four very specific things that um, that really kind of, I, I would say, uh, plagues people's mindset as it relates to um the, the the connection between having a high performance in and outside of the workplace. Um, there is, you know, as always, welcome everybody's questions and comments. As a matter of fact, um, if you're tuning in, I would love for you to type in the word fitness or gym, fitness or gym, whichever is easier for you. Type that in and let us know um, if you got questions. And if you're committed to um, you know, your health and your well-being, type in gym or fitness, one of those words. And then as always, if you've got any questions, uh, we would absolutely love to um, to get them in on the show. So <clears throat> without any uh, further belaboring introductions, um, I want to welcome uh, Eric Williams. Hey, Eric, how are you, man? You were live. I'm good. How are you doing yeah. today? I'm doing excellent. I am. Uh, I'm thrilled. I'm I'm thrilled to have you here. You know, um, I was, you know, giving giving this intro about you and I realized, you know, we had talked previously, um, you know, you're you're a very humble guy. And uh, it's one of the things I respect about you. And I think one of the things that I, I didn't mention before and I want to put out there now for people um, is that one of the things that makes Eric, a, a, I think, a, the perfect person to talk about the connection between kind of mind, body and fitness in and out of the workplace um, and how to leverage that is that you also have a degree in IO psychology. Um, so for those of you tuning in, um, it's really important to you know recognize that IO psychology, industrial psychology, uh, people typically work with in the uh, culture and environment of corporations and so on and so forth. So uh, I'm super excited to have you. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself and um, and then we'll we'll just go right into it. I've been in the fitness space now for about <clears throat> excuse me about eight years. Uh, prior to that, uh, as Josh mentioned, I obtained a degree in industrial organizational psychology. Was utilizing that degree for for those who don't know, it's impacting organizational change and you know 
essentially taking a look at human metrics and all those types of things. Uh, the space I was in wasn't really for me. And so eight years ago, my business partner, also my brother and I, uh, opened this gym and the rest is history. I've been doing this full time for about maybe three or four years now and yeah. never looked back. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the other things that makes, <clears throat> so I, I don't know how many people, if there are people out there that um, do CrossFit or um, specifically, but obviously go to the gym, uh, type in the word CrossFit. I, I know for myself, having um, gone to a lot of, I've been on and off of CrossFit for probably 10 years. And when I came to your gym, I think one of the, one of the things that struck me immediately uh, was that you and your brother run just an incredible operation. Um, there's just zero ego. There's just a ton of attention to people and their performance. Um, and I think that speaks volumes to uh, what we're going to talk about today. And also just in general, I mean, I think that, you know, when people go to um, a health club or to a gym, they're not looking to, um, they're, they're looking to feel confident, right? And, and, and comfortable. They're not looking to feel, um, I don't know, in, in, in any way, you know, like that they're out outside their comfort zone and they're not they're not able to exercise. I'm just curious because I know one of the things that that um, that has plagued me in the past is like walking into a gym and my mindset is like, oh, my God, you know, the, the ego thing. Um, is there anything just off the top of the bat you would say to anybody that's got, you know, dealing with any of those kinds of issues? They know they're committed to their fitness, but maybe that they're you know struggling with that. Well, I would say. To, to take it in a completely different context, Please. if you were to walk into a French class with the idea of learning French, you'd probably have that same level of intimidation. Am I saying things right? The student's better than me. Right. Oh, the teacher thinks that I'm not a good student or this student's better, whatever the case may be. Uh, fitness is honestly no different. And so anytime that you step into a new arena or a new environment, you're going to be faced with those things. And the reason why I think there's there's maybe this odd idea around fitness and why why do I feel intimidated? Why is there this ego component? Is because fitness is projected to us as something that should be simple. It's an afterthought. It's a check the box, take a pill. It's just like a, a thing that I don't want to have to worry about. Yeah. As opposed to really taking on a new lifestyle component, a new skill, a new life endeavor <clears throat> that abides by all the same rules as learning French or playing guitar or learning sure. skiing or whatever the case may be. Yeah. No, I think I, I, I think it's a great, a great, a great answer. Um, so <clears throat> I think it's also a really good segue because, well, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, we talked about before before the show, because um, I, I was asking you, I said, look, you know, we, there's so many different ways that we could approach this. And I think one of the most important things um, is that, you know, as somebody who works with as a coach, I work internally, externally with leaders. You know, we're always talking about performance. Um, high potential, but high performance, right? Everybody wants to perform better at work. I've never met anybody who says, yeah, I don't really want to perform better at work, right? Everybody wants to do better. So as always, I, I, I want people listening and tuning in to, um, you know, I want to ground your listening from a place of if you are somebody who, A, deeply cares about your performance at your job or your business or you're running a business, right? Um, but also you have a commitment to your health. Right. You want to be healthy. Right. And that may be, you know, uh, walking to counting steps. It may be going to the gym. It could be CrossFit. It could be doing whatever it is you're doing. But here's the thing. If you find that you're struggling 
right? And we all do this. We have competing interests. And all of a sudden, our commitment of our exercise or our health tends to go out. Today is the day that we're going to talk about some of the things um, that either are impeding your ability to keep the connection, the leverage between, you know, performance in and out of the workplace, or it could be some myths that you've got going on, a narrative that we're going to crush so that you can't use that anymore as an excuse. So <clears throat> without further ado, the first thing that um, we talked about uh, uh, offline before the show was, and I thought this was brilliant, you said that, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just getting over a little cold. You said that you will have more time, not less. And seeing fitness as an afterthought will actually waste time in your day. But a well-planned uh, uh, fitness right routine, right, can recalibrate your priorities. I thought that was a really powerful thing I wrote down. You also said that well-planned fitness will transition non-productive time into productive time in the process. And then this creates more positive momentum in your life. So I'm, I, I, I hope I did you justice by actually putting, putting that, that in your <laughs> words. And, and it's, it's on the screen now for people to actually watch. Um, can you expand on that? Because I think there's something really powerful next. We all say that we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time, right? Right. Well, I think the, the baseline fitness narrative right now is something like fitness should be cheap and it should be easy. And you, you should, you know, it's, it's just something, it's unpalatable. I really don't want to do it. And if I could find some hack, some way to figure it out without any effort, yeah. then I'd be better off. And what that does is frame it as, oh, yeah, oh, fitness. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to the gym. Ugh, it's so laborious. It's so time consuming. And so you're left with that as a default. And so right. what people end up doing is uh, they go to the gym and uh, some treadmill stuff and maybe I'll lift some weights. And so that that is the framework of essentially <clears throat> most people's fitness being non-productive. So you, right. you have this space. And certainly it's better than nothing, but you have this space of time where you enacting some actions, but it's not necessarily progressing towards something. So right. You take that for, for just kind of like your average baseline nine to five type person. Let's say I wake up at 7 a.m. and I get ready for work and then I leave work at eight and I commute and I get to work at nine and then I work my day and then I do the thing in reverse. And I get home It's six, it's seven. Maybe I went to happy hour. Maybe I went to the gym for a little bit. I get home, I eat dinner it's been a long day and maybe I watch some Netflix or the, the show that I'm watching. And then a couple hours go by and it's like, Oh man, I got to get to bed. Yeah. So to me, this is the story I hear all the time. This is the day that, you know, most people live Yeah. or at least, at least some percentage of the population lives. So if, if we were to re-engineer that just a little bit, and if I were to say to someone, okay, well, instead of waking up at seven, let's wake up at six, wake up at six, do something, right? Yeah. So that might be stretching in your living room. That might be going to a gym class. That might be, you know, going for a run. Some something. All to me, all productive yeah. is productive fitness. It doesn't have to be CrossFit or you know whatever. So sure. you're doing. Then you go through your whole day. Everything's the same. You get home at night, but you're left with a slightly different proposition because now because you've woken up earlier, we've got to go to bed slightly earlier because if you don't, you'll be exhausted and you'll be headed in the wrong direction still. Right. So you go, okay, in order to be prepared and ready to go, okay, I've got to go to bed a little bit earlier. Because you have to go to bed a little bit earlier, you watch one episode of Game of Thrones instead of <laughs> or you go to happy hour and go, hey, guys, it's been real, but I, I got to get out of here. And so your whole evening, that, that what essentially is non-productive space gets trimmed down a little bit. Then on the flip side, you wake up, you've 
hopefully gotten a full night's sleep or you're you're working towards getting a better night's sleep because you have to wake up. Yeah. You have to feel energized for your workout. Magnify that on months and even into years, and you will find that not only are you a exchanging that non-productive unit for a productive unit, but also in the process, have a little more energy, sleeping a little bit better, making yep. better food decisions. That creates a whole host of momentum that <coughs> then could conceivably, and th- this is this is my position on this, something that used to take you one hour might take you 45 minutes. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of ways where enacting fitness, productive p- fitness in particular, will eliminate the fat, the waste in your life, the, the metaphorical, the literal, you know, as you lose weight and, you know, gain muscle mass and all these kind of things, yeah. and then give you more time, not less. So turning it on its head and how, how, can, how can me doing something extra in my life actually give me a return on investment for my time? Yeah. No, I love what you said. I think that um, when I speak to people, right, or I'm coaching somebody, you know, around well-being and, you know, the, the hardest part is just to start, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody has a time conversation. Oh, I can't do it. But if you start to drill down, they always have enough time to do the things that they're committed to, right? So it's, really, it's never about time. It's about what you're committed to and so on and so forth. And we know this. But what I will say, though, is your point when you start building up the momentum and you find and feel and see the return on investment of exercise, you become you make it a priority. Right. And then you start to shuffle things around, excuse me, so that you can actually continue to have that. And you are more productive. I mean, the science has shown that, you know, if you're sleeping better and that's a result of exercise, then, of course, you're going to ultimately, you know, you'll be more productive. You're going to utilize your time better and so on and so forth. So I I think the concept here that you'll have more time, not less, um, maybe in the beginning, people will see it as, well, oh, my God, how am I going to balance it? Right. That's the initial freak out. But. What Eric is saying, and, and I and I believe this to be true, is that once you start to prioritize it and um, it becomes something where you see the value, you see the ROI, then then <clears throat> excuse me, then it's um you'll actually start to create more time within your schedule. Does that does that sound about right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm I'm, I'm getting over a cold here. Um, a few shout outs because there's tons of people here. Megan Harvey, thank you for tuning in. Brian Remo, of course. Um, here's one question right off the bat. I want to just get to it. Um, Anthony said, are doing events like Ironman marathons and ultra mar- marathons um, bad for, uh, are, are they bad for you? Um, I find that this really stretches my mind and allows me to improve my mental stamina and I'd hate to give it up. That's from Anthony. So I don't know if you want to answer that question. I think that's we're talking about time. So maybe that's sure. a good question. Yeah. Well, I mean, as it's framed, I, you know, I've got a couple of thoughts on this. Hopefully it, it gets to the center of the question. So sure. I can't tell you many people I've talked to who have uh, decided to undertake X event. I'm going to train yeah. for some big, huge thing that I want to do. Right. And I train and I get in shape and everything goes well and I do the events and then I stop. And so... <laughs> I I wouldn't ordinarily say, oh, this is such a bad thing. If I didn't have that data point of so many folks, once the culminating events eclipses, then if you stop, it's not, it's not as if it's all for naught. It's just that, okay, now there has to be the next thing. Right. And so me and every opportunity I get, I talk to people, how can you make fitness sustainable? So if I work out incredibly hard for 10 weeks or six months or 18 months or whatever your time frame is. And then I stop. Yeah. I 
have undermined my long, long, long-term success because wh- whoever this individual is, I assume you want to be fit for the rest of your life. Sure. So my feedback to that would be, well, how can you find a way to either do the next race, which is totally fine, or pivot to find something, okay, I want to start rock climbing or yoga or whatever the case may yeah. be, and continue. So I don't, I don't think there's any inherent danger in training for these big things, except for the pitfall of the exhale. Oh, I finally finished. <laughs> and, I'm done. and I'm done. Yeah. And then, then you, on a long timeline, you just kind of end up right back where you started. Yeah. No, I think that's, I, I think, I, hopefully he, he likes that answer. Um, yeah, I know he's tuning in, so, <laughs> excuse me. Um, all right, here's the second, the second point that I thought was, honestly, I've never really talked about this with anybody before. So again, I'm going to tee it up because um, these were my notes on our conversation. But you talked about your personal human baseline. I never really talked about I never that phrase that was really intriguing. Your human baseline will improve, um, you know, tolerating an hour of you know rigorous activity of some type um, that may be painful can actually yield some positive results. And, and you mentioned about better mood stabilization, uh, better patience, better tolerance for stress. I know that's a big one. Um, clearer thinking. Um, and then you, 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 there was something that I, I, if I got this right around delayed gratification must be embraced. So I'd love for you, and I'll put this on the, on, on the screen for people. I'd love for you to, um, talk a little bit about this human baseline will improve. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in the CrossFit of, uh, the context of CrossFit or yeah. even, you know, in the previous example of an Ironman, you are self-imposing a pretty high level of discomfort pain, um, stress, you know, whatever word you want to use. And what I found is that at the bare minimum that provides you some contrast. So if I am self-imposing some workouts where I am, all the voices start to creep in. You should quit. You should stop. You should take a break. And I pursue through that. I now have this baseline that is different than, well, the minor irritation of sitting in line waiting for a coffee, yeah. sitting in traffic, tolerating a meeting that I don't want to be a part of. And you see, I, I think it's a very common thing where you see people bust their top and they freak out in minor irritating circumstances. Yeah. So to me, really all that person needs to do is go for a jog or listen some work. <laughs> yeah. It's also an opportunity to to release some of the, the anxiety and the, the aggression or the, the fears that you have in your day. Yeah. Because once, once you self-impose that higher level pain, discomfort, stress, you're, you're getting very singular and very narrow. It's, it's hard to contemplate all of the things going on in your life when you are 80% into something that's very difficult. So that also gives your mind a break from the things that are nagging and dragging you down. It, It gives you an opportunity to reset endorphins rush in you finish whatever you're doing and you have that moment of release where you go ah it's finally over and so yeah. then when you get your car and you go home and there's an accident or there's a tree that fell down you're just like yeah i'm fine no pain this doesn't hurt yeah no one is assaulting me this i'm okay and so that that element uh i think is really important for folks who don't and this is where the um uh, the delayed gratification comes in because yeah. it almost by default hurts. It physically yeah. is demanding. Your muscles hurt. You're sore the next couple of days. Your lungs are on fire. Your mind is telling you to stop. 
And if you can voluntarily pursue that path a little bit, the delayed gratification is all the stuff I was talking about in the first uh, point, which is the momentum and, you know, your day becoming a little bit more efficient. And if you can get to that point and realize that, get through the initial stumbles and hurdles of feeling that pain, yeah. you will find on a long enough basis that some of the trivial things that pop up in your life just aren't really that they don't they don't really produce a stimulus anymore. They're just kind of minor irritations that you just get through. It, you know, it's so true. Like, um, so my best workouts and I, and, and for people listening, <clears throat> I'd love to know if this is true for you, but the best times that I've had in the gym, right at your gym doing CrossFit or running or, or some sort of race has been when there's something. So there's just something big on my mind, right? Like emotionally I'm dealing with a lot. Um, you know, whether I'm purposely fueling and channeling that in there or, for an hour or whatever it is, I'm just blocking out everything else and focusing on something else. It is so true that 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 the the forcing the forcing function of escaping, mm-hmm. if using that word from like what you're dealing with, um, to focus at what's at hand, is is such a powerful thing that we can we can accomplish, right? And we can actually give to ourselves. Um, and again, it doesn't necessarily have to be something. Uh, super taxing um, or, you know, un- unrelentlessly like punishing. But um, but I, I do agree. I think that's I think that's really powerful. Um, there's <clears throat> I've got a couple of questions here. So I want to just kind of throw the questions in. Um, why do you think people are anxious about CrossFit? <laughs> I knew that was going to come. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to sit here and speak on behalf of, you know, CrossFit as the entity or HQ or whatever it is. But just in my experience, when, when people come in the door for the first time, they're worried about injuries. They're worried about uh, not being able to uh, complete whatever's in front of them or rise yeah. to the occasion. And that, that tends to be the two biggest buckets of things. And to speak to the first one, injury, <laughs> yeah. pretty much all human activity that requires exertion accompanies the risk of activity. Yeah. So if you do a lot of running, you will incur certain possible side effects. If you do a lot of yoga, you might incur certain side effects. If you do a lot of rock climbing, you might incur certain side effects. And so I think the biggest thing is not to discuss whether or not, you know, injuries exist because all physical things accompany some risk, but how do you mitigate the risk? So us and what we do is scaling. So making sure that whatever is in front of the individual is a possible task. So I never want to set somebody up with something that is actually physically impossible and they hurt themselves in acting the labor of trying to do that thing. Yeah. But then also just attending to all the, the, the bumps and bruises and aches and pains that, that arrive in someone's life. So here's a very common example. I sit all day at work. I come to the gym doing, I'm producing force. I'm moving outside loads. I'm exerting myself. And all of that sitting baggage of closed hip flexors, yeah. weakened posterior chain, <clears throat> opens up an opportunity for me to experience knee pain or back pain or hip pain or whatever the case may be. So yeah. what do we do? Well, we make sure that you get a proper warm up. We make sure that your hips are well prepped to do whatever the thing is that we're going to do. And then that on a long enough timeline, <clears throat> hedges A, hedges off injury, but then B also gives you some signals as terms of you know, I'm feeling really tight today. I don't, I don't know if I should squat heavy. It's like, oh, perfect. Well, yeah. Let's take that at face value. We need to push no further. Let's go light. Let's do some alternatives. And so 
as far as injuries go, I mean, that's that's how any any sensible workout routine of any kind is approached. I mean, I, 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 I wasn't running a CrossFit gym and I was running a rock climbing gym. I, I would approach it in the exact same way. You know, you know what I love about. Well, there's two things I love about what you said. Um, there's some other questions here. <clears throat> excuse me. And two of them kind of go hand in hand to what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> One was, um, is there a focus on mobility and movement preparation? And I think that was kind of maybe part two of the, the CrossFit question or in general. And then another one here was, do coaches lead movement preparation as part of classes or are athletes expected to stretch and warm up on their own? And I will just jump in and say this <clears throat> before I let you answer that. Um, I know, in fact, not only do I know, but I've kind of uh, reestablished in my head the importance of warming up and sh and 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 getting my body warm and my muscles warm and stuff um, from working out at, at your gym before jumping into any kind of I mean, it's like the shock to the system is like waking up in the morning and jumping into a cold shower. I mean, it's I, I, there may be benefits to it, but obviously there's I think there's probably more detriment. And so I'd love for you to answer that, because I think a lot of people, they when they do, it's like, oh, my God, I've got 30 minutes to, to work out at lunch, you know, and and the question is, like, do I just jump in and start, you know, hammering away at something? Do I do 20 minutes on the elliptical machine? Um, so I, I think I, I know I'm throwing another element in there, but it just occurred to me that warming up and then not having enough time to exercise. So what do, what do you what would you say to that? Well, that's an incredibly broad and diverse thing to discuss. But yeah. We'll try and try and unpack that in a, yeah. in a neat way. So your your warm up and your preparation should be rising to whatever task you intend to complete. So if you were planning on going walking for 25 minutes at, at your lunch break, well, you don't need to spend 15 minutes prepping for a walk. You can right. go walk, right? Uh, the, the walk can be viewed as a warm up. By the time you get to the end of your walk, you're feeling warm and ready to go. You might be prepared to do some you know, higher level type thing. Sure. If you were planning on doing some very aggressive uh, weightlifting and approaching one rep max and all this kind of stuff, you probably want to spend a solid 20, maybe 30 minutes maybe making sure that all of the joints involved are ready to go, making sure you have good blood flow to all the primary movers that you're going to be utilizing. Yeah. But then also giving yourself an opportunity to know, hmm, as I was warming up to 50%, then my hip just wasn't feeling quite right. So that gives me a moment of pause to say, okay, maybe today is not the day I need to recalibrate my plan versus yeah. if I jump right into it, I don't even have that opportunity. Yeah, no, I think that's, <clears throat> I think it's a great answer. Um, so I'm cognizant of the time. I want to get to um, the next, sure. this is the next piece, <clears throat> excuse me. And this was, I, I, I again, I, I, I hope I wrote this down right. Sure. So you talked about, how um, fitness can help solve unsolvable problems. And just that word play alone was pretty powerful. You said that, um, you know, if you can endure a workout of some kind, then you can in theory endure anything. Um, and that the problem that you're facing is, is mental and temporary. Um, you're, you're, you know, I think it's kind of like you're merely in the middle of a long workout and I'd love for you to unpack sure. that. Um, <clears throat> and then you, you said something about that you can see more increasingly difficult problems to their final outcome at a higher rate, which I think is a very powerful statement. Can you tie that all together? Because I think for, for, if there are people listening in, right. And mm -hmm. they're trying to find 
the logic or the reasoning to even work out for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or just be, make that part of their 2020 routine. Um, I think this point right here about how fitness can help solve unsolvable problems is really powerful. So please share your, your, your insight. Yeah. So this is somewhat builds off the last point. So if I'm in a workout and again, I'm self-imposing some level of stress, discomfort and pain, yeah. and those negative voices start to creep in. Something I very often tell myself is, uh, let's say, you know, I'm running or I'm, you know, on the assault bike or whatever it is. And I've got something on my mind and I, I try and trick myself and I go, if I can endure this, if I can endure this pain, I can endure that. Yeah. And so I run these things in parallel. And so what that does is it somewhat creates a metaphor for my, my bicep could be a metaphor for just about anything. If my bicep isn't that strong. Well then how do I, the heavier load, well, I work it out and I work on my grip and I work on my elbow mobility so I don't get tendonitis. And lo and behold, after enough time, my arm gets strong enough to lift the load. Yeah. And I do mental problems and career problems and you know, familial problems almost as a muscle to be worked out. So if I can't solve this problem, well, I just need to solve lower level problems and I need to work on this element of my communication or maybe I don't write emails well or maybe I don't communicate with my right. peers as well you pick the thing and all you have to do is practice, treat it like a muscle that you're working out and invariably you'll get a bit better at it. Wow. I mean, it makes it, it I, I hope people get that right. Because, um, the, the, the amount of time, the initial amount of time that you put into your well-being and your wellness, um, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's probably the best commitment you can make, right? You're committing to yourself. Right. And as soon as you find that you can achieve something, then you've built the confidence. Right. And that momentum to, to do more. Um, so I, I love how you kind of frame that up. <clears throat> Excuse me. The last the, the fourth thing that you we want to talk about. Um, and this I re <laughs> I thought this blew me away. So I may mess this up. So you're going to help me with this. Sure. You talked about fitness and finance mm -hmm. and that you said fitness um, it's, is not doing taxes. It is investing in the market, um, which was pretty profound statement. And <clears throat> excuse me. And then you went on to say that um, like taxes are imposed activities with penalties versus investing is leveraging your current assets for greater returns, later spending, i.e. eating poorly, consuming too much alcohol, which would inhibit your ability to reap the compound interest. So I'm just going to tell you right now that <clears throat> This is not my wheelhouse when it comes to like stocks, investing and all that kind of stuff. Um, so can you share a little bit more about the connection that you're 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 talking about? And when you say that fitness is not doing taxes and this investing concept, please. Sure. And uh, I'm, I'm sure to put my foot in my mouth in, in terms of <laughs> financial outcome as well. I'm not a uh, financial expert by any means, but no. I do you know think that the analogy is still there. Yeah, it is. So, Back to the original point, uh, you know, fitness is an afterthought. Fitness is a burden. Fitness is something that, ugh, it's unpalatable. I don't want to do it. Well, most people don't really enjoy doing taxes. It's an imposed thing. You have yeah. to do it once a year. You have to get everything together. Ugh, how much am I going to owe? You know, all these kinds of things. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a burden that you overcome and it's a relief. And oh, thank goodness I'm done with taxes, as opposed to. Well, <coughs> People enjoy the fruit of investing in the market or, you know, having 
real estate, rental properties, things like that, because you watch your portfolio grow and you have residual income and all these types of things. And it's a very rewarding uh, endeavor. So that, that kind of sets a tone as far as how that specifically goes back to fitness. Well, if I there, there's and again, this this might be where I fumble a little bit with the exact financial things. But there's the adage, something to the effect of if I take one hundred dollars out of my paycheck and I put that into the market or savings and mm-hmm. I start with 20 and I do that every paycheck until I'm 40 or 50, I might end up with a million dollars. So that's full of compound interest, principal right. investment, just kind of like baseline stuff. If I don't do that and I take that $100 and I buy a new pair of shoes and I go out for drinks and all these types of things, I rob myself of the opportunity for compound interest. Yeah. And then hold, I, I get panicked and I freak out and I'm 40. I go, okay, I need to start now. Well, it's not like it's too late. It's not like you shouldn't begin, but your ability to reap that compound interest is slightly lower. Yeah. So what does this actually look like in terms of fitness outcomes? Well, if I were to spend let's say a couple hours a week when I'm 20 practicing my fitness, stretching, lifting weights, running, all these types of things. And I do that week in, week out for 20 years. By the time you get to 40, you'll have a really incredible baseline of fitness. You're productive and you don't injure yourself along the way. You'll get to 40. And if you have 20 years baseline of fitness, you actually won't have to do that much to maintain it. Yeah. Similarly, if I spend 20 years investing in real estate and the markets and I'm you know, sensible about my choices and I don't go after get rich quick schemes, well, I'm going to have a portfolio that will require not that much time to maintain because I've put in the back end legwork of 10 or 15 or 20 years to make sure that that reality comes to fruition. Yeah. So you reap the compound interest. You avoid the spending. The spending on your health is, you know, again, the things I mentioned you know, buying frivolous things and, you know, <clears throat> not being super wise with your money. So yeah. you use it with your health, you have the markers of maybe early type two diabetes. You have high cholesterol, high blood sure. types of health outcomes. Yeah. I mean, I look, uh, as someone who's 45 years old, I know that <clears throat> one of the best decisions that I ever made was after, let's say, college or even high school was continuing to stay active right? Mm-hmm. Um, and make that investment and <clears throat> find the time, um, even now with two kids, right, and, and uh, a thriving business and the shows and all this other stuff, like people will always find excuses. You'll never have a shortage of excuses. Um, I think there could be a shortage of reasons to start for some people. So the point of starting now, you know, people always say with investing, it <clears throat> doesn't matter. Start now. Right. Start saving a dollar today um, because the compound interest will be there. And I think when it comes to your health and, and investing in it um, to not make the commitment to not start now um, is it just to me is, is hard to understand because mm-hmm. of um, we live in a world where there's so I mean, you you don't have to spend a lot of money to be physically active anymore where um, it used to be you had to go to a gym. Um, but there's so many things you can do now and there's so many ways to make it fun and engaging that there's almost no excuse to not start making an investment um, in your, in yourself. You are your, your biggest priority. Right. So um, I absolutely love that. Um, <clears throat> there's one more question. Somebody wrote, um, <laughs> I think you talked about this, this is from uh, Philip Spence. Um, how do you release tight hip flexors? Um, 
that, uh, well, for, I mean, the very first question is, are your hip flexors actually tight? And sometimes, you know, the, the, the presented symptom isn't necessarily the thing that's at play. But let's just assume you have your actual hip flexors are tight. Uh, opening up the angle between, j- just to kind of relate to that <coughs> in front of me, opening up the yeah. angle between the bottom of your rib cage and your knee. So if this is my rib cage and this is my knee, and hold on, I'm kind of backwards here, and this <laughs> and it's tight, it's pulling in this direction, well, yeah. I need to open it to... 180 degrees would be great. If you can get a little more, it's even better. Ways to do that, uh, a little bit difficult to relate to just speaking through it, but there's a number of stretches you can do. And I would say a good place to go is Google. How do I open up my hip flexors and yeah. find something that is something that you can do with the equipment you have? And then the one small caution would be making sure that as you are participating in whatever that is, that you're not also clamping down on your low back, which is a risk. Um, anytime that you're, you're, you're trying to address a tight muscle group, the other side of whatever that muscle group is might take some force. So without, without having you in front of me with your exact hips, <laughs> tools and equipment, that's, that's uh, kind of my best approximation where you should go with that. Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> I hope that answers your question, Philip. Um, because, uh, you know, obviously we can't get you in the studio here to, uh, or my office to, to, to look at your hip flexors. Um, Eric, I want to thank you so much for um, coming on the show. Um, for everyone who's out there um, who's you know listening, and there are a lot of people out there listening, asking questions, um, if you have more questions about you know your fitness or really questions about you know how to maybe manage your life and have fitness be a part of it, um, I highly, highly recommend you reach out to Eric. Um, I have on the screen right here, excuse me, his email address. And in the show notes, um, you'll see his his Facebook, his social handles, Twitch, YouTube, so on and so forth. The guy, um, as many people know, I would not put people on my show that I don't think know exactly what they're talking about. And I respect them. And they are uh, industry experts and specialists in their own right. Um, Eric, I want to thank you first and foremost for taking exquisite care of my life, my body, and my health. <clears throat> every time showing up to your gym at, you know, five in the morning um, and, and not, not, not uh, and never judging me. You know, I think that's just one of the, 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 the best things about what uh, you and your brother have um, at your, at your gym is there's really, there's just, it's just a, a really an amazing space. So um, for everyone who's listening is all of his contact information here. He's on LinkedIn. You should definitely reach out to him. Um, Eric, thank you so much for being on here. I wish you and your family uh, a happy and healthy holidays. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so hang out and, and I'll come back to you in, uh, in a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, normally I have a parting quote, um, and, you know, and I say something, um, you know, this is the last show of the year. And, um, I really want people to know um, there's a few different things. First and foremost, you know, thank you for being on this journey with me. Thank you for following me. This is to my LinkedIn connections, my my family, my friends, my clients, people I do business with. Uh, thank you for following me on this journey, uh, both of 2020 and this show. Um, I cannot wait until uh, in 2019. I cannot wait till 2020 because um, I've got some really exciting projects and things that I'm going to be um, uh, launching and you'll all be a part of it and you all get to witness it and experience it. Some of it will be on this show. Um, but, you know, at the end of the year, it's a time for being grateful and um, 
you know, I think it's also really important for people to recognize if you're sitting in a place where you think, well, you know what, I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't achieve enough or I'm not good enough or, you know, I, I didn't get what I wanted. Um, I really invite you to stop and just put a pause, put a pin in that conversation, because if you're listening to me right now, then you've succeeded to wake up another day. And chances are, if you look hard enough, you will find success. You'll find victories and wins that you've achieved over the past year. So I just want to thank everybody for showing up uh, each and every week. And I want to wish everybody a happy and healthy holiday. Um, really be grateful for what you've got and be prosperous for what is to come. And, you know, ultimately, um, I hope that you take the time at the end of this year and start thinking about not resolutions, but really just almost more declarations. Like, what do you want to get of the next year or plus? You know, I think a lot of people get caught up on <clears throat> either kicking themselves for what they didn't achieve or confused about what they think they should go after in the new year. Um, all you really need to do is just take some time and be quiet and listen to your heart, listen to your head, find the intersection point. Um, and then be really declarative about what you want and go after it. Because if there's one thing that I've learned this past year is that when you set really big goals and you play a big game, the universe in life is going to challenge you. It is going to challenge you every single step of the way. And you may fail uh, and you may succeed and you may succeed in your failures, but you got to play a big game. You got to show up. So I really hope that people spend the rest of this year, uh, being grateful, thinking about the things that they've achieved, and then really start being declarative about the things that you want to get after in 2020. Um, thank you so much for following me and for being a part of this journey. And we've only gotten started. Just wait till uh, 2020. There's some exciting things coming. So thank you so much. I wish you all a happy holidays. And I will see you in the new year. Take care. Bye-bye.